Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Caleb Kingsley. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. Can we give it up for Nathan, our beautiful head pastor? I love this guy. Yeah. I'm just going to reiterate, we are not trying to put on a conference to, to gain a claim. We're putting on a conference because we believe what God's doing in this place and in this season. So definitely consider uh, jumping in with that. Everybody take a deep breath. Take one more just for good measure. All right. Today I get the beautiful privilege of talking about the basics of praise. And we are a church who loves to worship. We're a church who loves to worship. And there's a lot of different backgrounds in the room. And so we wanted to do our best to try to bring everybody to the same page. What happened this morning with worship, we all got on the same page. And you begin to feel God moving. You begin to feel God stirring. And all of a sudden, you're kind of going, whoa, 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 what, what, what's happening? Whether a thought process that used to be there is gone, something in your heart is being healed, and you're kind of wondering, wait, what is this? That's when the corporate body begins to align with the heart of the Father. And so we don't sing songs for people on the stage. We're not singing, you guys aren't singing to us, and we're not singing to you. We're singing to him. We just happen to be leading. And so it's a beautiful time. We get to worship God. The funny thing is, a lot of us, I've been to a Coldplay concert best concert of my life. I lost all of myself and gained all of myself back through Chris Martin wooing me with his buttery vocals. (laughs) And it was absolutely gorgeous. I lost my mind right when Viva La Vida gets started. Dun, 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 dun. Everyone's, right now, everyone's going, yes, 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 yes. We start to get mental. We start to go crazy because we know that that song it's going to take us to, oh, 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 and we're going to start going crazy. Everybody, come on, let's all do it together. Right? One, two, three. Oh, 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 I'm just kidding. But we all know when we hear that line, when we hear that part of the song, we know we're going to go somewhere we've already been. We know we're going to go somewhere that we've already connected with because it was either in our car, it was at our house, it was with friends. And even for me, it was being at that concert. They literally throw the best show in the world. And so we go mental for concerts. We moved up here from Mississippi. I know this is football country. This is Penn State country for some people, and I don't know all the teams, so I don't want to offend anybody. And Mississippi, Mississippi State is like the team, and then there's also Ole Miss, but depending on where you live, it's Mississippi State. These people are ridiculous. They take cowbells and give one to every single person in the stadium, and 60 to 80,000 people ring a cowbell all at the same time to the point where the stadium is like shaking. They actually had to stop the audience, like the, the crowd from doing that during the play because football teams were getting disoriented to the point where they couldn't hear, they couldn't see, and they couldn't even really feel anything. So they actually, like the the NCAA actually had to make a ruling that they could not ring cowbells during the play. After, before, all that's great, but not during the play. So we lose our minds for football. 
Some of us are like checking right now to see if your fantasy app, if your team has started yet. Some of you are freaking out about checking the game afterward, and we will go insane yelling at our television, hoping that the quarterback feels us interceding for him, when half the time we're just cursing him because he missed another pass. And we go mental for this stuff, and yet we come into places like this, and we feel really comfortable to sit back and watch. And I don't say that to be offensive. I don't say that to be mean. I just say that to say, like, where is our heart? Like, we love Jesus, and we love Jesus in the quiet. We love him in the, in the, in the private places. But we get a little scared and a little worried in places where other people are watching because we're worried about what they're thinking. And if that's the case, I'm actually not praising God. I'm actually performing for the person next to me. Because if it's only about Jesus and what he's doing, I will lose myself to find him. Same way at that concert, I was praying Chris Martin would see me and maybe bring me down and we could dance on a stage together and kick giant inflatable balls together. That would be awesome. But, and I actually believe, I mean, that guy, he writes some incredible songs. He has an incredible anointing, incredible gifting. But doesn't Jesus have an incredible position? Doesn't he have an incredible love? Doesn't he have an incredible gifting and calling to minister to our hearts? And yet we kind of come and we stand and we watch and we're more worried with what the person on stage is doing rather than what God who is in heaven is doing. Are we willing to kind of take a shift this morning and begin to look at worship as more than just singing but connecting with God? Because the truth is, and I've compared it, this is not the only form of worship. Just because a piano is playing doesn't mean that we're worshiping now. I can worship in my car without music on, with kids screaming. Sometimes I have to worship while the kids are screaming, and I'm lost, and my wife doesn't know where we're going, and I'm freaking out, and I have to say, Jesus? And sometimes I have to start speaking in tongues sometimes. I'm just kidding. But actually, I'm not kidding. Anyway. So if worship is about connecting with God, we can do that anywhere. However, there are beautiful times of musical worship where we get to connect with him in a different way because our hearts are like, a, are like a kick drum. We have this internal kick constantly moving to the pace of heaven. And when we breathe and when we sing, we're actually creating this wind instrument that actually releases a sound. In the same way that we talked about the shofar last week with Philip, when God blows on a shofar, the people are supposed to react and supposed to respond, and it's supposed to be like a war cry sending people into battle. We have all of that right here. And so we are worship instruments. I don't have to have a, a, a track. I don't have to have a band. My life is a musical instrument, but when worship happens like this and the kick starts going and it resonates within me, it does send me to another place. When the electric guitar starts going and that frequency hits, all of a sudden, all of a sudden something inside of me begins to, to shift. And so I'm going to talk about musical worship today, but also just worship in general. And I believe that there's seven keys for us that are going to unlock some doors for us to be able to engage God in a brand new way no matter where you're at. Are you ready for that? Sweet. Everybody take one more deep breath. Look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? Are you ready? All right, if you've got your Bibles, open up to Colossians 3, 12 through 17. 
I'm going to start in verse 12. I am reading out of the uh, Tony Evans Study Bible, so if it's a little different than your translation, um, hopefully we'll all get the same gist. Verse 12 says, For it is shameful even to mention that uh, of what is done in the secret, it, what is done by them in secret, everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is God, it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15 says, pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but, every time there's a but, pay attention, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord. Not with your heart to the people next to you, not with your heart to the person on the stage, to the Lord. Verse 20 actually goes on, it says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. The thing that we fear is the thing that has our attention. If the person next to me in worship has more of my attention than Christ does, I fear that person's perspective of me more than I care about what Christ's perspective of me is, and even my perspective of him. And so we are meant to join together to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I actually talked to Chris about this this week, and he kind of gave me a really interesting perspective I hadn't really thought of before. Like a psalm is putting scripture to music, whereas a hymn is the interpretation of who God is put to music. So a lot of us, like, we've heard the song Reckless Love, and there's a big kind of debate in the church if God's love is actually reckless. And we say, it's not in the scripture, it's not biblical. Well, it's not a psalm, though. It's a hymn. Corey Asbury wrote that because from his perspective, God's love of him in the middle of his, like, season seemed reckless. Are we okay taking a step back from our opinions of worship? And can we begin to step in to meet God in the midst of worship? Because I love worshiping him like this, but I grew up Methodist. We had an organ and a piano, and we sang hymns, which ironically were bar jingles that got turned into Christian songs because that was the easiest way to, you know, minister to people back in that day. They'd go into a bar and go, oh, they're singing Piano Man by Billy Joel. Cool. Sing us a song. He's the Christ our Lord. Sing us the song, oh, Jesus. You know, like, that's, that's what a hymn is. And yet we say the hymns, the hymns, these are God's spoken, you know, revelations, and these are the epitome of every worship song in the world. And if we don't sing these hymns, we've missed it. <laughs> you guys would have hated them back then, too. Everybody would have hated them. And yet we, we continually judge worship as it comes out, and yet we don't actually engage in it. I think because we're too scared to actually get personal and intimate with the Lord. And it's easier to stay intellectual than it is to get intimate. So go ahead real quick. We haven't even talked about it yet, but just go ahead and everybody close your eyes. Lean into the Lord.
Lean into his love. Amen. All right, earlier I read Ephesians 5, not Colossians 3, so sorry. Everyone was like, he's a heretic. That study Bible is Jack. Let me read Ephesians 5 again in the right context. But be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Colossians 3, here we go. Colossians 3, let's start in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the Lord Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one, one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I thought we are supposed to admonish each other through quoting scriptures better than the other. I thought we were supposed to use the word of God to try to smack each other to prove who's right and who's wrong so we can have a hierarchy in our minds of who I can trust and who I can't trust. Actually, I'm supposed to admonish you with singing. That's biblical. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to be in relationship with you through spiritual songs. What's the song inside of you? What's that thing that resonates in your heart when when in moments of darkness? What's that thing that resonates in your heart in moments of happiness? What's the song inside of you? If it is filled with the same doubts that the world is walking in, we may be fearing the world more than we are fearing Christ. So how do we make the shift? Part of it does come into posture. If I say that I love that beautiful woman back there, but I show no affection to her, I'd never say I love you. I never do anything to prove to her that I love her, but I tell people I love her. There's a disconnect. My posture in my marriage has to be that I'm willing to connect, even when I don't want to. I have to actually show that I'm connected to her, that I love her, that I'm for her, that I'll defend her and protect her. We get that opportunity to do that in worship with God. And here's the deal. God has already shown his love through the giving of his son. And so for all of us in the room, hopefully, my prayer is if you are here, it's probably because you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. If you don't know that yet, because of what Adam and Eve did, we fell into sin. 
and we had a disconnect between us and God because we began to recognize how far apart we were from him. He still loved us. He still talked to us. He talked to everybody throughout the scriptures. And yet there's this disconnect that would send us to hell. And so, he, and so Christ says, I'll go. He dies on the cross. He right, uh, comes back to the life on the third day. And we now have the opportunity through adoption to be sons and daughters of the Father and to reign with him in eternity forever. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And yet we come in here knowing the good news, knowing the gospel, knowing how much God loves us, and our response is, what's up? Maybe I'll slide a hand up in the air if everybody else's is. Maybe I'll close my eyes if the worship pastor says to. Why is that person on their knees? Why is that person laying down? Why is that person dancing like an idiot? Don't they know how idiotic they look? Don't they know how stupid they look? I can't believe they're doing that. And yet we kind of we make his grace cheap. We make that love cheap, and that's only because I probably don't understand it. When I'm head over heels for Bethany, when I'm head over heels for my kids, it shows. The way that I talk about them, the way that I look at them, the way I interact with them. Lately, when Zion are in this sweet, sweet age where they don't want to go, when I'm like, we're dropping them off at daycare or dropping them off at the nursery, like, Lelu will koala. And gr- I gra- like, she grabs me. Somehow she grabs me with her feet, too. And, like, I have to, like, pry her off. She's like, no, you know, screaming. She does not want to leave. And yet, so often we sit there and go, man, it's getting closer to 12. Man, lunch, I'm really hungry. I should have eaten this morning. Man, what are the 13 things I've got to do today? Oh, my gosh, this week's going to be a nightmare. I've got a 1,000 different projects I've got to get done. i also got to get that chicken coop done at the house. I've got to do all these different things. I've got to make sure that I get all these different jobs done. Meanwhile, worship's happening, and then it's into the third song. And, oh, yeah, 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 we're worshiping. That's right, that's right. What do I What do I do? So we got to get these keys because these keys unlock us and they bring us to a place of invitation where we get to worship God in the fullness of who he is. All right, we're going to jump around. Um, I'm going to drop a few, a few places on you. If you've got notes, you can take uh, down some of these words and look it up for yourself just to double check and make sure my work is uh, lining up correctly. But at the end of the day, there's seven Hebrew words for praise that are scattered throughout the scriptures. Some are scattered a few times. Another one is scattered 330 times throughout the scripture. And so we're going to look through those. All right, the first one is halal. Some of you have seen that on the side of food trucks. If you go down to D.C., if you go anywhere else, you'll see halal. It, in the Hebrew, it means to shine, to rave, to praise, to boast, to be clamorously foolish and to act madly. Halal shows up in Scripture 165 times. Everybody say halal. Everybody say it one more time. That was pretty weak. Thank you. If you really want to look it up, it's Strong's number 1984. But I believe this unlocks a door when we actually begin to praise with a sense of halal. I think the door that it unlocks is the true identity or our true self. 
Because the fake self operates based off of what other people think about me. But the true self operates off of what God thinks about me and what I think about me. The most confident person in the room is the person who knows who they are and isn't swayed by what everybody else says. So to act clamorously foolish in worship means I don't care what you think. I care what he thinks. I care about connecting with my father. So let's try this real quick. You can shine, you can rave, you can praise, you can boast, you can clamorously act foolish, you can act madly. We'll do this in our chairs, but we're all going to do it at the same time. I just want you to start shaking your arms and legs as much as you possibly can. We're going to halal real quick, okay? If you want to stand up and do it, you can. I give you permission to do whatever you need to. But on the count of three, I want you just to, to kind of give a little bit of a shout and to just act like a fool in your chair. Ready? One. You better do this. <laughs> Two. I mean it. Three. Give yourselves a hand. You just halaled. I'm so proud of you. That's incredible. That is a way to worship God. To act like a fool, to be an idiot, to throw yourself around. And so and we sit there and say, Oh, Jesus would look down on that. The last person in scripture to look down on somebody for praising like crazy was Mike or McCall, who looked down on David, and God actually struck her with barrenness because she looked down on God's anointed and judged him. We cannot judge someone's expression of love. Because that's all worship is. We sit here and think it's this performance and that this, there's a stage with lights and so we're used to this idea of a performance. No, this is your opportunity to go crazy for God and to show it. So a place that this is found biblically is Psalm uh, 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is why we're talking about the basics of praise because we see the word praise and we just think, oh, praise. Woohoo. There's different words being broken down in the word praise that you have to go after. So let everything that has breath clamorously be foolish for God. Can we halal one more time? One, two, three. Thank you. 50% of you did it. That's okay. All right, the second door that we need to go after, the first door that we were opening is a true identity through halal. The second door that we need to open is giving and receiving. This is a door that we struggle with because I've earned it. I need to keep it. I need to hold it. I need to own it. It's mine. And yet when we give, like, why do we love Christmas so much? We love to give. We like receiving too. And that's awesome, but the memory of what you've given to somebody versus what you've received the memory of what you've given lasts so much longer than the moment of ecstasy when you open up a gift. That's a moment, you play with it, it's done, but oh man, I, I saw the look in their eyes when I gave them something. You can, you can tell. And so like, can we get into this posture of giving and receiving? If we can trust God with our finances, if we can trust him with our time, if we can trust him with our resources, 
something begins to shift. And so this word is called yada. Everybody say yada. Say it one more time. Yada. Thank you. This is Strong's number 3034. This happens 114 times in Scripture. Yada means to revere or worship, to give thanks or praise, to lift the hands. And it also means to, like, to empty your hand in order to receive. That one hits. To take what's in my hand, to offer it to God so that he can take care of it and give me even better. We've all seen that little meme on Facebook where the little girl has the, the bear and God has the giant one, or Jesus has the giant one behind him. And he's saying, hey, let me have that. And she's like, no. And she's missing out on the, on the glory. She's missing out on the greatest surprise of her life because she's holding on. And she's not giving it to Jesus so that he can fill her hand with something better. God never takes from you. We give to God and he gives back. When we give to God, he gives back every single time. And so it's the act of giving and receiving from him. And then the second that I receive it, I give it right back. And he gives it right back. And we keep, it's this exchange where I own nothing. But it's his and I give it to him because he loves me and I love him. And I can trust him with it. Can you trust God with some stuff right now? Just think about that in your heart. I don't have Rona. I have post-nasal drip and something's in my ear. Psalm 9-1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord. It's in Psalm 30-12, Genesis 29-35, all these other verses. And so the way that this has worked out in my life to yada, to give God something, I didn't prep my wife for this, but love me afterward. There was a girl that I was dating before I met Bethany, terrible wretch of a woman. All the husband, thank you, thank you. Bethany's not the terrible wretch of a woman. The girl I was dating was the terrible wretch of a woman, if there's any, if there's any concern. And homegirl cheated on me. It took me about two years to really get over it. And, like, through that time, she struck me along in different points of my life. And it got to the point where I'm finally over it. And it's so funny. Right when you get over something, that person comes back. And it really is awful. So anyway, we get back to, or she wants to get together. We're talking. She wants to get back together. And I'm finally like, you know what? I'm free. I don't need this. And it's been so toxic, so d- dysfunctional. I finally let it go. And I go to the beach. There's a huge hurricane in Virginia Beach just off the shore. And the waves are like 20-plus feet. It's insane. And I go out because I'm an idiot. And I've got fins on my feet. I've got a board on. I'm going out with some of my surfer buddies. We go out to the 17th Street Pier or 15th Street Pier in Virginia Beach, and we paddle out. And the waves are, like, almost coming up to the pier, if not over the pier. And so we're riding waves. We're going crazy. And it gets to this point where it's just me and this other surfer. All the other guys are taking this giant wave in. And all of a sudden, I see the shadow, and I look up, and I, I'm telling you, it had to be 25-plus feet, 30-plus feet. This wave wells up, and something inside me goes, yes, it's time. Not to die, just to, just to live. But I look at the surfer, and he's like, no, and he paddles. He tries to go up and over the wave, and I turn, and I start paddling. And this wave wells up, and literally I'm dropping 30 feet in midair with nothing underneath me. 
I go flying down, and I'm going, oh, I'm just screaming, but like nothing's coming out. I finally hit the bottom of the wave, and I crank the board as hard as I can, and I pull up and go into the barrel, and I'm like, whoa, I'm going crazy. And so I ride this thing. It is just, it's almost this high, just barreling over me, and I'm caught in this pocket where everything's gone. The shore's gone. The ocean's gone. The only thing I see is right in front of me. That's why they call it the barrel. That's why they call it the pipe, getting pitted, if you will. And so I, I keep riding all of a sudden. The wave's starting to close out, so I cut up the top and go flying. I don't even know how high. I land, and I look down, and all the surfers are like, yeah! Because I'm the bodyboarder. I'm the sponger. I'm not supposed to be out there. And I showed all those guys up. So at that moment, I finally got to this moment of clarity. I said, God, and I handed him that relationship. I said, God, I'm done with that girl. I'm done holding on. I'm done hoping it'll work out. I'm done thinking about it. I actually want to be an Adam that you're going to have to put me to sleep and bring her, bring Eve to me. Four days later, I met Bethany. I would have missed the best thing that's ever happened to me if I didn't learn how to give God what he'd given me. And he, it was such a better deal for me in the long run. Such a better deal. Yada, to give, to hand over. That is what worship is about, handing to God what we're dealing with so that he can hand us a better portion. So when we come up the drive and leave the drive, we come in as one person, we leave as another. All right, so we've got unlocking the door of self, a, a true identity, giving and receiving. The third door is surrender. This word that helps us surrender is called Barack, not Obama. No offense, but it's spelled the same, B-A-R-A-K. At least I think it's spelled the same. Strong's 1288, this happens 330 times in, in Scripture. It is to bless, it is to kneel, it is to salute. This is the one that you get low with God. You bow low with him. And this is the best part. God blesses in return. He baracks with us. When we bow low, he bows low with us. And I've already mentioned it, but I'll mention it again. Jesus, Chris dropped this one on me this week. Jesus baracked by coming low. And lived in a state of Barak his whole life up into the cross. Even at the age of 12, when he's preaching and talking to the synagogue leaders, and his mom says, didn't you know we were freaked out? We didn't know where you were. And he, he submits himself to his mom and his dad and grows in favor and wisdom and stature before God and man from that day forward. He lowered himself. What we do in worship prepares us to deal with the things of work, our families, any other relationship that you have. But if we can't bow low here, how do we expect to be submitted or surrendered in the other areas of life? We have to, like, this is, this is the one that you can practice any time, any time. This, this is my favorite one to walk out with my kids because I literally have to bow low to pick them up. They're crying, oh, I can bow low and meet them. It's the best. I got to move on. The fourth door 
is creativity. If you need creativity released in your life, this key, this uh, word of praise is tequila, not tequila. That will make you praise in a different way. Anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about, don't ask your parents. It is tequila praise. This is the spontaneous heart song that erupts out of you. It's not scripted. It's not ready. Tequila. It's a song or hymn of praise. It's a spontaneous expression of spiritual song. So, Psalm 22.3 says, And you who are enthroned upon the praises of your people Israel, it is who are enthroned upon the tequila praise of your people Israel, who are enthroned upon the spontaneous heart song that comes out. Our worship team does this. We have these random songs that come out that aren't on the wall, and everyone's like, what do we do? You start staring, and you start watching, and you're going, I don't know. I kind of got lost in that moment. This is the biblical evidence for prophetic singing and scripture. This is prophetic song. This is a prophetic ministry to where I'm literally releasing what's inside of me to give it to God. And so I can release a song. This happened a uh, little, little over a year ago before we even moved here. We talked about the adoption story. We got the twins. I was leading worship. And all of a sudden, I hear these two guitar players playing behind me. And I hear this melody clear as day. You are my hope. You are my peace. I can trust you with anything. I started singing it out for the first time. That was a song that was inside of me of learning how to trust God, even through a failed adoption and then even into a successful adoption. You are my hope. You are my peace. I can trust you with anything. It came out of nowhere. But it erupted out of me, and it gave me closure to a season that I hadn't had closure yet, that I can learn to trust God with anything. That is the power of the tequila praise. That is the power of giving God what's inside of me, no matter how foolish I look. And so that opens up creativity in your, in your being. That opens up the ability to create because you're, you're willing to risk looking foolish for the sake of opening up your heart. The, the fifth word that goes with this, that opens up a fifth door of patience and of rest, is the word zamar. It's Strong's 2167. It's, it happens 46 times in Scripture, and it means to play music with your hand. So that's another thing that happens. We'll be up here, music will be playing, no one's singing, and everyone goes, what do we do? What's happening? That is worship, to let music happen, to let music rest on your heart, and it stirs up that tequila praise. And so that's what happened that day. It was the DeSold brothers, both of them playing together is the most heavenly thing you'll ever hear. And they, they were playing something that created the sound of this melody that they weren't playing, but I heard it. I caught it. And the Zamar opened it up. So sometimes we just, like, we don't know what's going on. Sometimes we just have to sit in the sound of music playing. And it begins to stir something in us. Lean into that. Take the risk to go after it. Sitting in these moments of music creates rest in my soul. And it opens up that door for me to operate in rest. 
The sixth door we need to open is a thankful heart. The word of praise is todah. Strong's 84.26 opens, happens 32 times in Scripture. It means to confess, to praise, to give thanksgiving. In my confession, whether negative or positive, I'm connecting with the Father's heart. When I praise and I thank Him for things, this is the easiest door to open in your life. I'm frustrated, begin to thank God for what you have. I'm a little sad, thank God for what you have. This is the easiest one to open up so many doors of communication, of relationship, of intimacy. God, I'm freaking out. Begin to thank him for what you have. God, I don't have anything. Do you have breath? Thank him for that. Do you have any form of clothing on? Thank him for that. Do you have a roof over your head? Thank him for that. All of a sudden, when you begin to thank him for the small things you have, you realize you have a list of about 30, 40, 50 things that you have to be thankful for all of a sudden, I'm not thinking about the thing that broke me. I'm realigning my heart into who God is. Todah. This is the one we don't even have to have worship happening for this to happen. I can be driving to work, the place I absolutely hate. I don't want to be there. God, thank you for this job. God, thank you for the income that allows me to put fuel in this car that allows me to get from point A to point B. And maybe it'll take me to Chick-fil-A before I get there. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We're opening up a thankful heart by practicing thankfulness. Second Chronicles 29, 31 says, they brought in their sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of Yahweh. Will you prepare your thankfulness before you even come in here? We're about to go into a new building. Will we prepare our thankfulness before we even walk in there? Thanking God for this season. Thanking God for the season we just came out of at the school. Thanking him for the finances to be able to put this building up. Can we be thankful? I'm telling you, that will unlock a measure of praise that you've never seen before. The last door we need to open is a door of freedom. This word is Shabbat. This is the key. It's strong 76, 24. Happens only five times in Scripture. But it means to exclaim and to shout, to laud, praise, and commend. Just because of the space that we're in, I won't get you to shout just now. Actually, you know what? Let's go there. One, two, three. All right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's get one more, but I want you to stretch it. Let's just try it. One, two, three. Yeah. Amen. What just happened? We just shabbat. I didn't cuss. Don't worry, parents. What did that just do for your heart? I see a thousand smiles. The amount of joy in the room just lifted. Because of a simple shout. If you are stuck and you can't get out, shout. 
If you're at a place where you don't even know if God is actually even real, you don't know if he's connecting with you, you don't even know if he cares about you, shout. Shabak. Give it to him. Let him have it. Go out in a field like this and just let it rip. But if we're in worship and you feel it, in a moment like this, you know, there's always that one guy at a conference that shouts in the moment like this where the music's nice and soft. I used to be that guy. But if we're in a moment where we are singing and you feel the shout come, let it go. Because in the new facility, you're not going to hear anybody else. It's going to be loud. Not too loud for anybody who's worried. But it's, it is going to be, there's going to be a presence in the room. And when you shout, you're just going to be adding to what's happening in heavenly places and even here. So what I'm saying is if you want that door in your life to be opened, you have to shift your posture. You have to actually grab the handle, insert the key, unlock the door, and walk through it. We'll post these online this week so you guys can have the seven different keys with the different doors that they unlock. But I asked the worship team to come back up, and we've got just a couple minutes. We're going to sing through a song. We're going to sing through Reckless Love. I wanted to give you a chance to practice one of the seven where there's a spontaneous heart song that nobody else is going to hear but you, whether it's to sit quietly while the music plays, whether it's to shout, whether it's to give thanksgiving, whether it's to bow low, whether it's to be absolutely ridiculously wild before God, or if it's just to throw up your hands and to give him something. Whatever you need to do right now, I just invite you, stay where you need to stay if you need to stay seated. But if you need to stand up, if you need to bow, if you need to shift your posture, go ahead and move. Don't wait for the band to start. Go ahead and move. Don't worry about me seeing you. Don't worry about the person next to you seeing you. Move. And as you take that step of faith, know that God is meant. He is meant to meet you in it. And he's excited to meet you there. And if for some reason you got to shout, shout. If you need freedom, cry out freedom. If you need one of the doors to open up, shout that. But walk with the keys. Hold the keys in your hand and say, God, I'm opening up right now. So Holy Spirit, right now I just pray that over the entire tent. I pray that over this land, God, that we would be a people who understand the power and the authority that we have by the keys that we hold. And God, would you show us what key we need this morning? Put it in our hand, Father. Show us how to unlock the door that we need and to walk through it with you so that we can be connected with your heart and your heart can be connected with mine. Minister that right now, Father, all throughout. Come on. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.